Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, even though Findlay's 2023 budget will have the city slipping into deficit spending, Mayor Christina Mern joins us to explain why she's not only unconcerned, but actually excited for the year ahead. Also this morning, from finding new ways to work to new ways of exploring our universe, the Project Management Institute is out with their list of the 50 most influential projects of 2022. We'll take a closer look. And this is it, your last chance to score great deals on Amazon's hottest gift items with delivery in time for Christmas. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. The first day of winter today, uh, winter arrives at 4.47 p.m. to be exact. 4.47 p.m. and hot on its heels, the first major winter storm of the year. And it is going to be a doozy. Every time I hear the forecast for this weekend, it gets worse. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're talking about uh, m- multiple inches of snow blowing and drifting temperatures. I was looking at the, the map of uh, forecast temperatures, and they're talking like 30 below zero or something uh, like that. And out, out west in uh, big sky country, this is like the Dakotas and Montanas. They're talking about temperatures of close to minus 60. Uh, so I guess it could always be worse. But uh, timing this out, it looks like tomorrow evening into Friday morning is when all of this will begin to start. All will begin to start. That sounds that's a strange turn of phrase. All of that will begin uh, in the evening to start with rain. And then the temperature is going to fall off a cliff overnight Thursday into Friday Things are going to freeze over. We'll start to get the snow, the blowing and drifting. It's just going to be uh, cold and slick and potentially whiteout conditions. I don't know that they're using the B word for our area just yet, but they are talking about blizzard conditions in parts of the central U.S. So uh, we will watch it very, very closely as it approaches. And a, a quick note with the concerns about the weather the uh, Findlay High School basketball game versus Greater Latrobe, Pennsylvania, that was scheduled to happen on Friday, has been moved up to tomorrow afternoon at 4.30. So they're trying to get ahead of the weather on that. So I'll make mention of uh, that. 4.47 is when winter arrives. Old man winter coming in. <laughs> is it in like a lion, out like a lamb? Or is that, uh, I think that's March. It's supposed to be March. But uh, <laughs> winter is arriving like a lion. Maybe it'll just uh, uh, turn into something uh, very mild the rest of the season. I don't know. Anyway, we mentioned that uh, uh, today is the first day of winter. Coming up on January 9th. January 9th is National Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. And uh, I just thought this was rather interesting in... Las Vegas. Uh, That's where this is, right? Yeah, it's in Las Vegas. Uh, Law enforcement workers will get free admission to the Mob Museum (laughs) on January 9th. I saw this on the Newswire this morning. Um, People who have a professional law enforcement ID to show at the box office between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. 
on January 9th, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, will uh, have the admission fee waived to the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. <laughs> Man, if only uh, Bugsy Malone, or <laughs> Bugsy Malone, um, <laughs> Bugsy Siegel could... Good seeing that to be rolling, rolling over in his grave, I think, anyway. I <laughs> uh, just thought that was kind of interesting. Some of the uh, first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories uh, of the day. Can you believe, I thought we were, I thought we were done with this uh, part of our history, global history, but a German court this week convicted a 97-year-old woman of being an accessory to murder for her role as a secretary to the SS commander uh, at a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. They had another Nazi trial in uh, Germany, and uh, 97-year-old Ermgard Furchner was accused of being part of the apparatus that helped the camp function According to this news report, she was alleged to have aided and abetted those in charge of the camp in the systematic killing of those imprisoned there between June of 1943 and April of 1945 in her function as a stenographer and typist in the camp commandant's office. So she was just a secretary and uh, convicted of war crimes uh, at a German court, 97 years old. Um, I, I got to think that that may go down in history. As the last of the Nazi trials, don't you think? I mean, 97. Wow. Uh, let's see. Of course, with the uh, weather coming, this is the uh, big concern. Uh, my wife uh, yesterday was on the phone with uh, other members of the family trying to scramble to figure out what are we doing with our uh, Christmas gatherings uh, this year. Because with all of the weather, uh, we just don't know what's going to happen. So we're making contingency plans. And I would imagine that a lot of families were doing the same thing. The big concern, of course, is that you don't want a uh, family to travel when it's dangerous and even worse, uh, they get to your home and then they can't leave. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like the worst uh, possible outcome. Uh, a, a new survey commissioned by Motel 6 finds that 95% of us say it's important to spend time with family over the holidays, but everybody has their limits. 75% in the poll find themselves needing a break from those same family members after an average of three hours and 54 minutes. <laughs> Just three hours and 54 minutes, and then it's time to step away for some me time. <laughs> One in four people have even hidden in a house to get away from family. They've hidden in the house to get away from their family members. 37% say they cook up an excuse to leave the house altogether at some point during the celebration. Of those who are staying with a relative over the holidays, two in five admit that it is a stressful experience for all involved. Whether you're hosting or whether you're a guest, it doesn't really matter. 22% of those visitors say they feel the need to get away uh, for lack of privacy. 20% say is because their family is getting on their nerves. The same percentage say family drama 
has them needing a breather. So I just thought that that was, uh, that was absolutely hilarious. 95% of us say it's important to spend time with family, but 75% of us say that within four hours, we need a break. That's enough family time. Can you imagine uh, being stuck with, <laughs> with family because of a, of a blizzard for multiple days on end? Um, speaking of Christmas, and I thought this was kind of interesting... Uh, Obviously, big gift-giving time of year, and that means that somebody is going to get a bad gift. It's inevitable. Uh, Not everyone can hit the target. There are going to be some misses. Big swing and a miss. Have you ever had, had that happen to you? Either on the giving or receiving end. The parent company of the online retailer Wish commissioned a poll of more than 6,000 Americans... Well, actually, not just Americans. Uh, They actually uh, expanded this out globally, and they found that this is a a worldwide phenomenon, uh, bad gifts. And uh, (laughs) what they they asked, what makes the worst stuff to receive over the holidays? And um, 28% said broken broken or defective items are the worst gifts. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I, that's kind of a no-brainer. And I was surprised. Only 28%? Uh, who is this uh, Who is this 72% that don't mind broken or defective gifts? Who are, the, who are those 72%? Um, the poll also revealed there are plenty of other items that won't get, uh, won't get you any smiles on Christmas Day. Second on the list of top 10 worst gifts to get, 23% fruitcake. Fruitcake. And again, who are the 73% who like to get fruitcake? What is that? Um, let's see. Coming in third, weight loss items. Uh, political gifts were number four. And out-of-style clothing rounded out the top five. So those are the uh, five worst gifts to get. Broken items, fruitcake, weight loss items political gifts, and out-of-style clothing. Uh, Other ones that are right up there, um, cheap chocolates, and, uh, yeah, that was was very close, just outside of the top five, very close. And uh, how about this? 80% of the Americans in the poll said that they are pretty good at faking enthusiasm for a less-than-stellar present. But, uh... Giving a bet, and this I was, again, (laughs) it kind of made me chuckle. Giving a bad gift, it turns out, creates a cycle of shame. 20%, one in five of us, admit that they re-gift bad presents. (laughs) Now, we've talked about this uh, before, re-gifting, the uh, idea of re-gifting, and... um, yeah, that's uh, that's fine in some circumstances, but if you're re-gifting bad presents, if it's bad present for you, what makes you think it's any better for anyone else? What are you doing? That's why re-gifting gets a bad rap there, because we just re-gift bad presents. And uh, speaking of presents, this is anything but a bad present. Did you get a uh, bonus at work? Uh, maybe a cash bonus, or maybe you got a gift from the boss? The owner of a preschool in Sherman Oaks, California, uh, went above and beyond 
for her staff members, Karen Beniat, ben, Beninat, Beninati is the uh, CEO of We Village Children's Early Education Center in Sherman Oaks, California. She recently surprised her workers with a free trip to Disneyland to thank them for their hard work. She said running a preschool can be challenging and these staff members have stuck by her side, especially through the COVID-19 pandemic. So she's going to send them to a place where there are kids everywhere. (laughs) I would think you would send them someplace where there were no kids. Um, But still, a free trip to Disneyland. Now that is setting the bar pretty high for for other employers. I wonder if her fellow preschool owners uh, are mad at her now. You set an impossible bar. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny today, a high of 36. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 30. The Ohio Department of Transportation is keeping a close eye on a potentially major winter storm headed for the Buckeye State. ODOT is especially concerned about rain quickly transitioning to a hard freeze on Friday. Because it's not really going to allow us to get out and pre-treat. We can't really get ahead of the storm and lay any of that pre-treatment down because it will simply wash right off. The other big concern of ours is the flash freeze. Everything that's wet has the ability to freeze very quickly. I've leaned a lot. And the storm's expected to pack powerful wind gusts of 50 miles per hour or even stronger. Get more on the website. The Ohio Mayor's Alliance, which includes Finley Mayor Christina Mern, recently met and discussed priorities for next year. So I'm honored to be able to be a part of the Ohio Mayor's Alliance and the board and have the opportunity to meet with lawmakers frequently or talk to the governor and the administration on, you know, what are things going on in the state and how do we continue to build up our cities to be strong communities. The mayor says housing, infrastructure, and job creation continue to be some of the biggest priorities. Get more of our conversation with Mayor Mern on the website. A funeral will be held soon for an area sheriff's office deputy killed in the line of duty last week. Wyandotte County Deputy Daniel Kinn's visitation will be Wednesday evening at Our Lady of Consolation in Cary. His funeral will be held Thursday at the church ahead of his burial at St. Mary's Catholic Cemetery. Kinn was killed last week when the vehicle he was driving was hit. Ken worked for the Cary Police Department and the Seneca County Sheriff's Office before joining the Wyandotte County Sheriff's Office. The United Way of Hancock County is seeking donations of new and used technology as it prepares to reinstate its Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program in 2023. In preparing for the volunteer-led program, the United Way is seeking tax-deductible in-kind donations of new and used laptop computers, desktop printers, and associated cables and keyboards United Way says tech-savvy volunteers are also needed to help prepare the donated items. Get more on the website. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, now our cover story this morning. Not only this week do we take some time and look back at the year gone by, but also start to look forward into 2023. And the city of Findlay has set its 2023 budget which will be uh, in the red, slightly in the red, as it turns out. Mayor Christina Mern is with us this morning. And uh, so a little bit of deficit spending. Um, 
First of all, is that, can we even do that? I mean, is that, I thought we had to have a balanced budget. Um, so we can't deficit spend into the red in our overall cash position. Mm-hmm. But as uh, as has been communicated, we have a very strong cash position. And we've really built that o- up over the last 10 years. You know, in, in 2008, 2009, like many other communities, our cash position was very weak. Mm-hmm. And we had to make some adjustments. And the prior administrations, you know, were finally, you know, kind of turned us around as this is not unusual for us to present a deficit budget. And we work very closely with our department heads to then manage their budget throughout the year. And just like last year, we presented a deficit budget and we're returning $2 million. Just, uh, just kind of... Um I guess to put this into into context, I've you know there have been some people who said, well, it's fairly easy to avoid uh, you know deficit spending and come up with a balanced budget because a lot of it is based on revenue estimates. So mm-hmm. you just estimate that you're going to get more revenue. <laughs> Doesn't quite work that simply, right? Yeah. So the way you know municipal government finances work is you know the the auditor and our income tax director we provide information you know to the auditor he provides then kind of the revenue estimates based off of best information at that time for mm-hmm. what next year looks like and while he's kind of working through that process the the administration then is working through putting together the budget. And so those things don't really marry up until pretty late in the process. And so yes, you could, you know, kind of inappropriately finagle your numbers just to make it look. And that that really has been my message is listen, I would rather have an accurate projection of mm-hmm. what our team is going to need to operate and then work with them to adjust throughout the year. And our goal as part of our key performance indicators is to have our departments return about 10% of their budget. And some years it's more, some years it's slightly less. You know, this year we had to adjust on the fly with rising costs that were budgeted. Mm-hmm. Next year we have those built in, but we're already starting to see some things start to come down. So I am optimistic that our team will be able to manage the operations appropriately to be able to hopefully, you know, at, at least break even, if not return some funds. So uh, how hesitant are you, though, to start to dip into those uh, cash reserves? Because again, there are a couple of different trains of thought. On one side, you say, well, that's what it's there for. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, uh, there are those who say we need to save that for a major uh, significant economic downturn that might come someday. So there is some hesitation, I would imagine. There definitely is. It's a balancing act. And, you know, it it always is easier to have, you know, a a pile of cash to know that you're, you know, to provide that safety. Right. And I definitely am not going to ever encourage us to inappropriately spend. We definitely should have cash reserves. We definitely should have the rainy day fund as we do. We have the minimum reserve balance. We have, you know, and, and we have structures in place so that we have funds across all of our different funds, not just the general fund, which is primarily what we're speaking about today. Mm-hmm. Right. And and however, I also believe that we shouldn't be just putting cash aside. We need to be reinvesting that back into the community and spending it in ways that are going to benefit the tax, you know, payers, but also hopefully grow the tax base. Um, so this year we will see that there is um, some projects that have been deferred related to manage, you know, operations and our facilities that we need to step up on. There are some significant projects that are being discussed, like the downtown recreation area um, and some different projects that we will be bringing up as part of the capital plan. I most likely will be asking council to to dip into some of those overall reserves um, across all of our accounts. 
Um, but I think that we are in a strong position and that we will make our case to show how that is you know, prudent and that we are not inappropriately spending. You mentioned that there may be additional spending requests coming up to dip further into uh, those reserve dollars. How uh, hesitant are you or how much do you balance that against uh, predictions that we may be in for an economic downturn in the coming year? I mean, you've heard the uh, headlines nationally <laughs> yeah. that we may be in for a recession, which obviously could uh, throw a monkey wrench into that a bit. Yeah, so we definitely are, are constantly watching that. And I'm hearing the reports, you know, that probably a couple months into this next year, we'll probably have at least a six months, you know, kind of slowing um, in some ways, that's positive, right? Our economy had overheated. We need it to tamp down a little bit. I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is that when we talk about projects that city government is doing, a lot of those are saying, hey, we're going to start planning for them. We're going to start setting money aside. We're going to start the engineering. We're going to start doing all of these different things. Mm -hmm. And then it takes years for them actually to occur. Um, and so I think it really goes back to that planning and telling the story. And there's always some adjustments that we can make. You know, we've worked over the last three years, um, especially to say, you know, okay, what can we hold on? What are those things? But we also don't ever want to put ourselves in a position where we hold back too much on, especially on the capital projects. And then you put yourself in a position where money is tight and you need to make significant investments into some of these capital. Yeah. Um, ultimately, the, uh, ultimately, the goal is to still be able to, as you say, uh, do the repairs and the maintenance and all of those things that are necessary uh, you want to maintain staffing levels. You don't want to have to Correct. lay off law enforcement or firefighters Definitely. or anything like that. So, I mean, there's a, a reason for all of this. And it kind of goes back to, uh, again, why, despite the fact that you're dipping into those reserves, you are still uh, very, not 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 only not concerned, but optimistic about the coming year. I am. You know, I'm, I'm both hopeful that our revenues will come in stronger than currently projected, um, but I also have faith in our team to manage and adjust as we go. And I'm very excited because I think the city's in a strong financial position. I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity to invest. I think that there has been some clarity around the priorities that our community wants to see us invest into. And I think we are very well positioned to leverage the state and federal dollars that are out there related to projects like park facilities, infrastructure, water quality. And and so I think that we are in a position to, because we have planned, we are organized, we know what we want to get accomplished, that we can then seek out funds to help us be able to leverage our local dollars. A very good point that that also plays into the uh, whole equation as well, the availability of state and federal dollars. And with respect to Setting those priorities, that kind of segues into this. Also wanted to uh, ask your reaction to the uh, unveiling of the preliminary strategic plan, an open house held, mm -hmm. uh, what, I guess, last week? Two weeks a ago couple now. of weeks ago yeah, now. I'm losing track of time. Uh, yeah, I know. It all just kind of <laughs> blends together here. But uh, the, the, at that open house, get some feedback from uh, from the public on this strategic plan. It's not still not set in stone, but getting there. Correct. So that process was kind of the second uh, reveal of the draft uh, strategic plan. And so if you recall, you know, earlier this year, we went out and we did a lot of community engagements and 
What are the things you want to see? What are your priorities? What are, you know, if you were building this, what are those things that you would put in there? We took that information back, planning next. Our consultant started putting it together and saying, here are the big themes that we heard from your community. Here are some of the specific actions they want to see occur. Here are the objectives that we think that those fall under. Our committee went, started going through those and saying, okay, we, you know, here's our overall feeling. Yes, we agree with these. Here are some concerns. This was then saying, okay, community, this is what we think we heard, we heard from you. Mm-hmm. We can't do all of this all at the same time. What are your main priorities and what are your concerns? Um, at the open house, we had about 60 people that attended. About half of those completed the comment cards. You know, I definitely would have liked to see more people. Um, but as we were looking, you know, even yesterday in our committee meeting, we were saying, you know, we, we heard from over 100 people. We would have liked to hear from a lot more. So we were talking about it and, and how do we get out to people? You know, we, we were on the radio, we were in the newspaper, we were on social media and, mm-hmm. and it's a balancing act, right? You, you, we try to get to people, but we can't make people take action. Right. Um, so we started talking about that and I was looking at the social media posts that we had put out kind of advertising the events. And on each of those, we had over a thousand views. And so though I, I do definitely want to continue to hear from the public, we want them to continue to engage. I also feel comfortable that we are providing that opportunity and the public is largely saying, go for it. <laughs> You're well, on the right track. Yeah, that's basically what is of the uh, feedback that you did receive. Uh, positive? Uh, was it what you expected? Did you, you know, glean any insight from that? Yeah, I would say overall it was positive. Um, You know, we did have a couple of concerns and some individuals that have sent emails as well as showed up to council last night sharing concerns on a couple of provisions related to encouraging the establishment of a land bank, looking at having a registry or contact information that we can better contact landlords when issues with the properties come up, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, adopting the Ohio housing uh, home building uh, code. Um, and a, a couple of their things. And I completely understand that. Again, the, the plan is not finalized. Overall, I think that the, the plan is um, in line with what we have heard from the public. And now we need to refine, okay, is this something that is, is accomplishable? Um, one, one question that I have heard multiple times is the statement that, you know, if we adopt this plan, then that's the, it's just all adopted and that's the fi- city, you know, the constituents, the residents' mm-hmm. final opportunity to engage. And I want to be very clear, though that will definitely be our guiding support and help us prioritize and the framework for the work that we accomplish, just as usual, anything that we do that we spend money on, we're still going to have to go through a legislative process. So it's still going to go through council readings. It's still going to have the appropriations. It's still going to have that public discussion. So nothing's set in stone by yeah, this. It definitely, it provides not, us, yeah. definitely provides us that support and direction that we want and hopefully helps us um, avoid any kind of public you know, um, outcry against things. We can say, listen, that's what yeah. we heard in the strategic plan. We're executing upon what we heard. But it is still going to have to work through a process. And the next step, once we finalize um, or kind of once we have put together that final draft for discussion with the public um, that comes out of committee, we then have to figure out, um, we'll go through and part of what Planning Next does is the implementation and recommendations on how different things would be financed. And then obviously that's then when we take it and 
start working through on our team side. Okay, what are those priorities? How do we finance it? It's not like everything's going to happen overnight. Yeah, we will leave it there. Again, kind of uh, highlighting some of what we will be talking about <laughs> into 2023. I'm sure. Again, Finley Mayor Christina Murren with us this morning talking about the budget, the stri- strategic plan, setting things up for the year ahead. Mayor Murren, thanks very much for uh, dropping yeah. by. Certainly, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thank you. Yes, and be safe, everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, this week we're taking a closer look at all of those year-end and year-end review lists that come out annually in December. And here's another one. As the world continues to grapple with unprecedented change across multiple industries and sectors of the economy, organizations are reimagining the modern workforce and how work gets done to drive innovation forward. You can see these trends playing out in the Project Management Institute's new list of the 50 most influential projects of 2022. Gary Scharf is leader of North American Client Engagement for the Project Management Institute. Gary, first of all, kind of give an overview of the most influential projects list. We've talked about this in the past, but kind of tell us what this is all about for those who may not be familiar. Yeah, thank you, Chris. So so the most influential project list, right, if I take a step back, right, we the first one we released was in 2019, and that was the top 50 projects over the last 50 years, and that was in honor of, at that point, our 50th anniversary. So now, fast forward, we released this. This is our fourth annual one, and the 22 most, 2022 most influential project list really reflects how project managers have found resourceful ways to keep initiatives moving forward amid global disruption. Right? It highlights the progress made in, across a number of industries, education, technology, architecture, climate action, and healthcare. So, it, so we span both industry and geography to put this list together. So with that in mind, what topped the list? What projects most stood out to you? Yeah, thanks. So, so topping the list this year is what we're calling the new HQ, the new headquarters. And, and it's really an amalgamation of seven of-the-moment workplaces that were built and launched this year for how work gets done now and in the future. This rep, you know, some of the representatives here are Google, Adidas, Meta, J.P. Morgan, and a few others. And, and and the common theme of all these new, you know, HQs, if you would, were really the focus on the employee, right? Think about the debate that's going on now, and and you know, around work from home or work in the office, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's an ongoing debate, but but the key is a happier, healthier employee. And all of these HQs, they all focused in on that, right? So beautiful structures, beautiful buildings, great projects. But the common theme was, you know, the, the user experience, the employee experience, and, and how, does, how does an organization set that up so, so they've got, you know, a productive worker. So that, that topped the list. The, the one that stands out to me, though, and thanks for asking this, is the James Webb Space Telescope. Hmm. It's my personal favorite, maybe maybe because I got to meet the, the NASA program director, Greg Robinson, who was the fourth over a 20-year period that helped put that, you know, that, that telescope up in the sky, right? Look, in July, we all got to see those images, right? The, the sparkling galaxy cluster, the exoplanet right. outside of our solar system, and nebula where the stars are born, you know. It's it's fantastic, but it, it that was a twenty year endeavor that you know was led by NASA, but included the European Space Agency, the Canadian Space Agency, multiple contractors, countless thousands of employees to get that up there. 
And now that that's up there, look at what we're getting to see. We're getting, you know, this is just the beginning, these, these, these first images. What are we going to see? What are our kids going to see in the, in the coming decades, right? What are we going to learn? It's just amazing. So, the, so that one, you know, for a number of reasons, stands out as my favorite. Yeah, the, the two that you mentioned there, I think, are a, a perfect example of the wide-ranging types of projects that uh, you're talking about on the list. Um, I mean, two very different, obviously very influential uh, projects, and and ones that will have that will reverberate for decades to come. Are there some common denominators among these projects, regardless of whether we're talking about business or science or you know education any of these uh, types of categories are there common denominators you can point to 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 make a project successful and make it among the most influential yeah so so the, the, the what we've done in our research is looked at some of those things and and what stands out to us is is, is what we'll call power skills you might actually call them soft skills or emotional intelligence but these are interpersonal skills, right? And they play a critical role in, in how all work gets done, but in a project perspective can you know, really spell the difference between success or failure. And I'm talking about bringing in skills like empathy and collaboration, collaborative leadership, innovative and growth mindsets. These are just the underlying skills that, that a, a project manager or employees in general need to bring to work every day because it's not a, you know, it, it's not a hero. It's not hero work. It's, it's teamwork. And these are the skills that, that we, we are calling out that, that are the underpinnings that, that come across all these projects. So how do you apply those skills uh, to one's own project? I mean, if I have a business or an organization or whatever, I have a project coming up. Maybe it's not one that will be on the uh, scale of a space telescope, but how do we take that and apply it to our own projects? Well, just think about some, some simple things like organization and communication, right? And understanding, you know, someone else's point of view and harnessing the power of, you know, group think and group execution. These are the things that we all need to do every day at work, right? No, it, regardless of, of what industry you may be in. So, so that's where we're really calling out and, and, and hoping the, uh, our community continues to develop what we're, you know, today calling power skills, but you know, they go by other names, right? You know, and, and, the, the openness of continuous learning, continuous development, right? The, both personal and professional. These are, these are underpinnings for, for long-term success, both on a project basis, on somebody's career basis and, and even as individuals. Yeah. A really fascinating list. The 50 most influential projects of 2022 from the Project Management Institute. Gary Scharf is leader of North American Client Engagement for PMI. Gary, we appreciate your time. Real quickly, before we let you go, where do folks get more information about this uh, list? Do they want to take a closer look at it? Sure. If you'd like to take a closer look, please visit MIP dot pmi.org that's most influential project so it's mip.pmi.org 20 years of good mornings on wfin we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert oh my goodness we have a treasure trove of broken news headlines this morning today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. 
There's the uh, story out of Edmond, Oklahoma, of the guy who took his wife to Starbucks on Sunday night, where she demanded a refund for a drink that she had actually purchased a few days earlier. Now, no, it doesn't say why she felt she was entitled to a refund for something that she had purchased and consumed several days earlier, but the barista denied her request, and that's when Richard Engel decided to take matters into his own hands. He he allegedly took money out of the Starbucks tip jar and and took off. (laughs) You don't want to voluntarily give a refund. He's going to help himself right out of the uh, tip jar. Uh, The uh, staff of the Starbucks location called police. He was gone by the time they got there, but uh, he was arrested a short time later and charged with robbery and assault on the (laughs) barista. (laughs) Well, that's one way of settling the issue there, I guess. Uh, Let's see. How about this out of Hilo, Hawaii? They don't have uh, broken news out of Hawaii very often. Generally, they're pretty well behaved on the island. But uh, here is a case. Officers have placed a man under arrest on suspicion of planting coconut trees at a public park. What are you doing? You just can't plant trees anywhere. And apparently this isn't the first time. Officers of the Department of Land and Natural Resources arrested the guy on Sunday. He's accused of planting 165 coconut palms at the Wailoa River State Recreation Area in violation of Hawaii's administrative rules. The uh, DLNR says the man was digging up the ground and planting trees near the Kamehameha statue in the park. And like we said, it's not the first time the same man has been cited or arrested for illegal planting four times in the past nine years. (laughs) He's a serial tree planter. We can't have that. (laughs) It just seems like an odd thing to uh, go to jail for. What, What are you in for? I was planting palm or I was planting coconut trees. Back off. Plant coconut trees. Um, Detroit police uh, say they have a man under arrest for impersonating an officer. Apparently, the whole incident began following a road rage incident last week. The suspect followed the victim after the road rage incident, after the uh, confrontation, the uh, incident. uh, The suspect followed the victim, identified himself as a city police officer, and then shot the man. Wow, that's uh, pretty serious. That's not generally how uh, officers conduct themselves. Uh, He's under arrest. The uh, victim doesn't say uh, condition or anything, but the uh, case remains under investigation. It's weird. A couple of uh, holiday-related stories. Uh, Santa is back in front of the Bonjour Maine after a drunk man stole him in the dead of night in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, is where the incident happened. Security footage captured a man named Melvin. That's all I know. Just Melvin. Uh, basically grabbed Santa, big Santa statue, and took off with him from in front of the uh, restaurant. Melvin said he had had one too many that night, and after he woke up the next morning... 
and discovered the stolen Santa, he realized what he had done. <laughs> he went back to the restaurant to apologize to the owner, returning the Santa decoration and also a dozen roses for the owner. He said, I know saying I'm sorry doesn't do anything, but I promise I'll do better. As to why he stole the life-size Santa statue, Melvin said, quote, I just wasn't thinking. I just thought it was cool, and I wish I had it, so I took it. The uh, owner of the restaurant says she will not press charges against Melvin, who has offered to work for free uh, as a way of making restitution. So, there is that. <laughs> Santa, sa stolen Santa is back at the restaurant there. Carolina. <clears throat> this is serious stuff. This is very serious news. A doctor in the United Kingdom has advised her patients not to get freaky with the Christmas decor. <laughs> um, she actually posted this online advising people not to um, do unnatural things with Christmas ornaments. Now, you would think this would go without saying, but apparently uh, this uh, gynecologist says that many people have had to be hospitalized due to the sharp and hazardous nature of ornaments breaking into pieces near sensitive areas. <laughs> they have a very unusual way of celebrating Christmas in the UK, apparently. On top of the threat of cutting yourself in an area where you don't want to be cut... The doctor warns against the potential bacterial infections that someone could catch in the festive decorations. <laughs> Enough said. I, I get it. Yeah, it's very dangerous. <clears throat> Speaking of things that are <clears throat> not where they're supposed to be, a senior citizen with an explosive lodged in his backside initiated a bomb scare at an emergency care center at a French hospital, the, <laughs> the loaded shell from the First World War was discovered by hospital professionals tasked with dislodging and disarming the item, which led to the hospital evacuating uh, the entire wing of the facility, including the uh, children's wing of the hospital, all had to be evacuated. The emergency took place, uh, let's see here, a couple of days ago, a couple of nights ago, as uh, was around 9 p.m. where hospital wards were evacuated and the bomb squad was called in to investigate and carry out the proper precautions. Report doesn't say what this uh, older gentleman was doing with an explosive lodged <clears throat> there. Wow! <clears throat> All righty then. Uh, let's see. And how about some uh, good stories? I got a couple of uh, good stories here in the broken. It's the holiday season. So, need some good stories. A puppy abandoned at the San Francisco International Airport now has his forever home. A United Airlines captain and his family adopted Polaris. And even threw a party for the pup there at SFO. The six-month-old was left there by his owner in September after arriving from Asia without the paperwork needed to keep the dog in the country. A shelter took him in while 
Airline officials worked with the local SPCA, and the rescue came just in time for the holidays. One of the uh, United Airlines captains adopted the dog. So, sweet, happy ending there. And how about this? A Minnesota Boy Scout is giving back in a big way this holiday season. 12-year-old Jonathan Werner raised more than $56,000 selling bags of flavored popcorn and pretzels this year. In his, uh, in his troops fundraiser, he told local reporters his share came in at over $11,000, and he decided to use that money not on himself, but to buy 600 Christmas presents for kids living in foster care and domestic violence shelters. You go, Jonathan. 12 years old, he said it makes him happy to make others happy. And a little child shall lead them. Beautiful story. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories from the broken news this morning. Uh, Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's a musical tradition. Chip Davis, the founder and musical director of Mannheim Steamroller, presents a coast-to-coast broadcast of Mannheim Steamrollers, an American Christmas. Chip Davis of Mannheim Steamroller here. Join us for all the warmth, music, and happiness of an old-fashioned American Christmas. An American Christmas begins Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Nothing uh, says uh, holiday spirit quite like a house all decked out for Christmas, right? Well, it turns out that the average person strings up nearly a mile of Christmas decorations in their lifetime. (laughs) That breaks down to more than 1,300 feet of tinsel. 841 holiday decorations, and over a half mile of lights. A a new poll of 2,000 adults has revealed that more than half, 54%, will invest in new trimmings for their home every season, uh, which ends up costing $62.42 on average each year to keep the holiday display looking current and fresh. The lifetime total bill for Christmas decorations, ready for this, $5,049. That's what we spend in our lifetime on Christmas decorations. Those are quite some numbers there. Uh, 1,300 feet of tinsel over a half mile of lights, 841 holiday decorations. Now, again, in the survey, it says that's in a lifetime. I think my wife does that every year. As we are quickly approaching the moment of truth this holiday season, your stress levels are probably going through the roof. Well, take a deep breath because we have everything you need to wrap up the holiday, both literally and figuratively. Jen Ray from Amazon's retail PR team is with us this morning to help us handle those last minute details. Jen, still time to find gifting inspiration in some of these top gifts for the season? 
Yes, Chris. Um, I'm one of those last-minute shoppers myself. So thankfully, Amazon is a one-stop shop for all of your holiday gifting needs this year. We have gift guides that make it fun and easy to shop across categories like home, fashion, beauty, electronics, and toys. We've got a lot of great options with us here today, like the MetaQuest virtual reality headset, which is going to be a big hit. We've got some really fun toy options like the Disney Princess Yahtzee, a really nostalgic one that has that Disney Princess theme, which will be fun for the littles. Um, Lots of options still to shop for, um, even though we're close to the holidays. Now, I was going to mention, when it gets this late, a lot of people tend to fall back into the old tried and true uh, but there's lots new for the 2022 shopping season that we can still take advantage of, right? Yes, absolutely. The Kindle Paper White, which is a versatile gift that um, I personally love to take with me when I'm traveling. Bose wireless headphones that are noise canceling for you know the folks who are working from home. We have a great stocking stuffer gift guide um, if you're looking for smaller items that you can sort based on price point, like this Laneige uh, lip sleeping mask, which is kind of a viral hit this last year. A lot of my friends love that one, but. Lots of great options that are still um, available to to arrive before Christmas. And yeah, as you were alluding uh, alluding to, still time for all of this at this point. We are into the uh, final few days, obviously. What are uh, some of the uh, Amazon delivery options, deadlines? Kind of lay this out for us so that we know what we're dealing with at this point. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, start shopping now, but there are great options. You know, Amazon prides itself in, in delivering um, or offering delivery options that are easy and convenient throughout the year. And the holidays, no exception. Our, our Prime members can take advantage of free one-day and same-day delivery, which is really helpful this time of year when you're doing last-minute shopping. Sure. And then our gift cards offer a great option as well. If you know you really wait till the last minute, they come in festive design, so it makes it a little bit more fun. And I, I know one of the one of the big push uh, this year was uh, supporting small businesses uh, on the Amazon platform. Is that still? I mean, we can still uh, support small businesses uh, on Amazon even at the last minute. Yep, you sure can. So Amazon, uh, you know, during the Thanksgiving to Cyber Monday window, uh, customers drove over a billion dollars in sales for small businesses on Amazon, and it's not too late to shop small on Amazon for this holiday season. Um, you know, we have products like the Flybaging Variety Pack, which is a really nice chili crunch that you can put on any any um, food that you're making. It's great for a foodie friend. We've got um, you know some products from uh, Mother Shea, a really nice whipped shea butter product. So we, there's lots of choices, and you can also sort by women, black, and military-owned uh, businesses to make it um, even more targeted for for what you're trying to purchase this year. Anything else to keep in mind again in these final few hectic days uh, as the stress levels start to uh, increase that we need to uh, be aware of that you can suggest uh, to, uh, again, like we said, wrap up the holiday both literally and figuratively here? Yeah, lean into those Amazon gift cards if you're not sure what to get someone. Yeah. You know, there's millions of options for people to shop on. A really great option for, for last minute or, or if you don't have time to, to search. And then visit Amazon.com slash holiday gifting for um, your home base for all of the holiday needs that you'll have this year. You mentioned the gift guides. You still have uh, some guidance for those who are still stumped at this point. Uh where do we get uh, more information? Where do we learn more and, and get some last-minute inspiration? Yep, holiday or Amazon.com slash holiday gifting or slash uh, gift guides. You can find both. 
and you'll find stocking stuffer gift guides, electronics, beauty, all the ones I mentioned there. Um, but both of those locations will be able to find um, the gift guides. Jen Ray with uh, Amazon's retail PR team with us this morning to help us handle all of those last minute details at this point. Uh, Jen, thanks very much for uh, taking the time and happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. And thanks to all of our guests, of course, for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, U.S. Representative Bob Latta will join us to talk about the transition to becoming the majority party in the House of Representatives in the upcoming Congress. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. And now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.